But the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. That word happy is, is the word blessed. It's, it's that there is a life that you can have there is a life that you can experience. It's real. It's possible. And uh, the Bible calls it happy. The Bible calls it a life of God's blessing when you find wisdom. Okay? We started off uh, well uh, going over this passage, and then we learned that really all of the wisdom boils down to fearing the Lord. Okay? Understanding that God exists, that he has a say in your life that he has uh, ways that are good that he wants you to follow. He has, uh, and he outlines ways that are evil, that he says, like, don't go there. Stay away from that. And so um, to have this blessed life, the happy life, I want it. I hope you want it. Here's what the Bible says. It says, uh, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. We want that, don't we? Amen. I want to ha have that. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. So we come back to this wisdom. And the Bible says wisdom is a tree of life. That if you learn this wisdom, that this wisdom will bless you. It will give you this happy life. So um, what I want to talk about today is um, the character of wisdom or, or of the wise person. So all through Proverbs, if you were to sum, summarize Proverbs, there's so many different topics that are talked about. But the 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 gist, the, the main purpose, it's really summarizing and teaching you about character. Character is so valuable. Amen. Uh, I think we undervalue character sometimes. You know, we, we, we oftentimes in the workplace will, uh, will, will hold in high regard skill or uh, talent or something like that. But the Bible is so clear about character. It's these traits in your life that God wants to build in you, right? He wants to see them as part of your life. And he says that these traits, as, and he's describing them in Proverbs, these traits um, make up his ways. And this is like, this is how he wants you to be. And he wants to build these things in you. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to highlight, I want to teach through five traits of the wise, five character traits that are talked about in Proverbs. I want to point them out. I want to highlight these. Uh, you, you may pick up one of these tonight where God is speaking to you and he says, oh, that's the one I needed. Because all through Proverbs, uh, wisdom is calling to people, right? Uh, we learned about that already. Uh, it's wisdom is spoken of like a lady that's out there saying, come in, listen to me, to calling the simple ones, those that don't know, calling the foolish ones to turn from their foolish ways. And it's saying, hey, listen up here. I've got a better way. I've got this happy life as it's described. I've got something better for you. So let's talk about this. Uh, these are character traits that uh, you would want to build into your life. And you can find these things in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I want to talk about them. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss them a little bit tonight. So number one, everyone have a paper? You sure? You got one? Do you have a pen? Does everyone have a pen? Well, we don't have pens if you need one. So if you, if you need a pen, raise your hand and ask someone next to you with a big purse for a pen, okay? 
Because I don't have any. Do you need a pen, Gary? Does anyone have a pen for Gary? Yeah, we have a pen coming your way, Gary. Anyone else need a pen? This is a family, okay? We can overcome the pen deficit, yes. All right, here we go. In Proverbs, as you go through this book, as you read Proverbs, the first thing you're going to see, well, it might not be the first, it's one that you'll see, is mastering your speech. Mastering your speech. Has anyone got this down yet? <laughs> you, you speak wisely at all times, right? Yeah. Okay. That um, all involves learning. God is interjecting your tongue. Uh, James is, is referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, and it speaks about your tongue. It's really... No man can tame it. It's this, this terrible fire. It's a world of iniquity. It's this problem. It's the same in Proverbs. Uh, uh, I'm going to give you a couple points under each one. When, you, when it comes to mastering your speech, the Bible has uh, a few things to say about it in Proverbs. Number, uh, number one, if, if you want to lie. lie. I love simple points. character of mastering your speech. This is 22. Proverbs 12, 22. The Bible says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I don't know about that one, Gary. I don't know about that one. You can Google that one later. <laughs> lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Uh, God says that it's wise to speak the truth. It's wise to share truth. You know, that, that, that is something he stands on. And not only that, he goes, it's not that just uh, deal, you know, people that tell the truth uh, are, are God's delight and it's, it's wise to do that, but it is an abomination to God to lie. Abomination is like, like hatred. It's the opposite of God. Listen in Proverbs chapter 6, and um, this is really in simple English here. Proverbs 6 and verse 16 speaks about this. It says, These six things doth the Lord hate. 6.16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And then he goes on and tells four more things. But... In this list of things that God hates is lying. Uh, mastering our speech is, is difficult, but it is something that God will lead you to do. It is something, I believe that God is calling you to do this, then you can do this. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, as we go through this list, as you go through these character traits, you are going to feel inadequate. All right? Just, I'm telling you, you're going you're to be like, I don't know how I can do this. So I'm going to wrap it all up at the end, and I'm going to explain to you how you can how you can have these character traits. So in mastering your speech, Proverbs teaches us it's wise to never lie. Uh, secondly, Proverbs teaches us in mastering our speech that soft speech makes a difference. Soft speech makes a difference. Uh, when we think about speaking, there is something, uh, it's like a secret that God puts out there in, into, into his scripture. And he says, uh, hey, did you know there's a way that you can speak? It's not even the words that you speak, but it's the tone that you speak. It's the way that you communicate. 
that makes a huge difference. In Proverbs 15, verse number 1, the Bible says this, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Um, has anyone that's married ever had an argument with their spouse before? Okay, so sometimes in life, for other people, sometimes for other people, yeah, yeah, y'all just lied, you missed the first one, see, falling short, um, when, when you argue, you know, somebody, you, there's like anger coming at you, the Bible says there's a secret of how to deal with that, it's like, like secret sauce or something, okay, it's not like, it's not like Kung Fu Panda where there is no secret recipe, okay, this is a secret recipe. <laughs> But it's, it's plainly written. A soft answer turneth away wrath. There's something about responding to somebody who's being harsh or loud or angry in a soft tone that they can't, they can't yell at you anymore. It, it just, it, the Bible says it turns away their wrath. But grievous words, if you match their anger, you're going to stir it up. Okay? And uh, anybody have experienced this? Am I telling the truth? Okay, good. Uh, That's what God's Word says. Soft speech makes a difference. Even it, the Bible goes even further to talk about this in Proverbs. In Proverbs 25, 15, this is such an interesting statement. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. If you've ever tried to convince someone of something, or you have something you want to do, and maybe you're trying to convince your boss, or maybe it's your spouse, or maybe it's a teacher, or I don't know what it is. But this, in this instance, it's talking about a prince, somebody in authority. If you ever try and persuade someone, it talks about long forbearing and a soft tongue. There's something about waiting, speaking softly, speaking calmly, that has weight to it. Uh, if you've ever noticed people that are persuasive in, in your life, this is, a, this is a thing. This is just wisdom from God, mastering your speech. Never lie. Soft speech makes a difference, all right? Here's the third thing about mastering your speech. Uh, this is something, oh my, uh, I read these and I say, thank you, God, for reminding me because I need reminded. Don't speak too much. Wisdom imparted upon you. Uh, Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Listen to this. In the multitude of words. 10, 19. Thanks for taking notes. Appreciate that. 10, 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. What the Bible is saying here is that for those that are prone to just speak whatever comes to their mind, whatever is on, on the tip of their tongue, just, uh, you know, some people even say, that's just who I am. I learned it from my dad or my mom. I just speak my mind. I just let it rip. Well, you can rest assured, God's word is true. Within the multitude of words, it says there wanteth not sin, meaning you're going to find some sinful words inside of that multitude of words, Okay. And so the, the wisdom here, talking about mastering your speech, somebody that is following God's ways will hear this and it'll say, you know what, maybe I should, like the Bible says, refrain my lips. Um, in Proverbs 17, 27 and 28, 17, 27 and 28, the Bible says, he that hath knowledge 
spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Listen to this. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You say, I have a problem with this, and maybe I don't have quite a reputation for wisdom, and I, I'm kind of known to be uh, obnoxious or loud, or maybe I just am uh, I, I prone to say whatever I want to say. Even a fool, somebody who's doing wrong, somebody who is just definitely not following God's wisdom, if he's quiet, people might just mistake them for a wise person, okay? That's what the Bible's saying here. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Um, when the Bible's talking about mastering your speech and having this character trait as uh, following God's ways, he's calling us to slow down, make sure we're speaking truth. But he's calling us, it says, the Bible says, The righteous studieth to answer. Um, if you've ever studied for a test, or, or something, you know, it takes time to study, doesn't it? Uh, if you actually want to pass the test, you have, to, you have to pause. You have to ask questions. You have to examine all the different things. And so if you're one that says, I don't, I'm just going to make a quick decision. I'm going to say quickly what I think. Sometimes you have to make a quick decision. But the Bible says that it's good and wise to study your answer. It says, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer you think about it, you pour over it before you answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. It's like, it's like uh, you know, some, we have some faucets in the church. You know, you, you walk up and you hold your hand in front of it and it turns on. You know, I think about that. Uh, the faucet, you think about some of these words being the water coming out. This is like not that kind of faucet that like it only, you know, it only is answering when it's uh, maybe being asked a question or when it's thought about it a little bit. You know, that thing it has a process that you, that you rubbed your hand in front of it, and then it, it gives an answer. Uh, it's like those ones where you just turn the handles on, and it just rolls. It just rolls and rolls. And the Bible says, like, that picture of just it coming out of your mouth, it's pouring out evil things. Um, we, we need to slow it down. We need to not speak too much. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, be like that sink. That's so funny. Yeah, you're going to be like comparing. You're gonna, to which faucet are you, okay? Uh, <clears throat> all right, so um, character trait number one tonight, mastering your speech. Mastering your speech. Uh, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three: Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue... That's, uh, that's you guard what, what comes out of your mouth and tongue. It says, keepeth his soul from troubles. We go back to the whole happy life, uh, the concept in, in Proverbs 3, that her ways are ways of pleasantness. Those that can master your tongue, can, those that can tame the tongue with God's help, they keep their soul from trouble. Much trouble has come from words that were you know, unthought about. Answers that were given that weren't studied. All right, let's move on to the next character trait of those that are wise. Uh, this one is so, 
Uh, none of these, as, as, I, as I study this, none of these are really found in one book of the Bible uh, or, or one, like one proverb. They're, they're just scattered. Proverbs is very scattered, but it's very clear about this second trait. Uh, the second character trait is embracing a strong work ethic. That is a character quality of God's happy life, happy way. Proverbs chapter 6. Go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6. The Bible says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. You all know what a sluggard is? Yeah. Not like Louisville, all right? That's a slugger. It's, it's a sluggard. It's a lazy person. It's somebody who does not want to work. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. The person that doesn't want to do the hard job. The person that doesn't, they just want to be comfortable. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, interesting that God even goes to this little tiny uh, insect and points out to us human people. And he says, listen, if you want to learn my way, just pay attention to the ant for a second. I, I designed them and I set them up as an object lesson just for you. And uh, he says, these ants, which have no guide, they have no overseer. They have no ruler, meaning they don't have a boss watching over them all day long. They don't have somebody checking their time clock. They don't have any of that stuff. It says they provide her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Meaning they, they learn to prepare in advance. They, they work even when no one's watching. There's, there's something that they're driven to work to do the things necessary to provide. Uh, it says, they, uh, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little slumber, uh, sorry, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Uh, the idea is you're, you're like a nomad. You're like somebody who doesn't have a place to stay. Um, you, God is so clear that he wants us to work, all right? Um, does anyone feel like this might be like a lost value in society today, uh, working? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard things like that. <laughs> Gary, that's really interesting. If you didn't hear him, uh, somebody went to an interview and took their mom and dad. That's a really good... That's a really good uh, story to illustrate this. But the idea here, and the good thing is, somebody that doesn't know work ethic can learn it because God wants you to learn wisdom. He wants you to learn his. It's not something that he's saying uh, you can't learn because you're Gen Z. Like God can change you. God has ways for you to learn. Uh, so these ants, they, they learn to prepare in advance. Uh, embracing a strong work, work ethic, um, the the proverb says that diligence leads to material blessing. Uh, there's this quality uh, dealing with work ethic called diligence. Uh, it's the idea of being consistent in your work. It's the idea of the effort putting forth to uh, consistently work. Diligence in Proverbs 10.4, the Bible says, He becometh poor. Isn't that interesting? God is like explaining, this is what it takes to be poor, and this is what it takes to have material blessings. I think we should all just pay attention to that. You know, I just personally, I think that's really smart. 
Uh, it's wise even uh, to pay attention to that. Just imagine, he says, if you, you become poor when you deal with the slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. It's that, that slow hand that I don't really want to, I'm not really motivated, you know, consider the ant. You know, some of us are, uh, we get motivated when somebody else, we're like, I just need someone to motivate me. Well, that's not the, the lesson from the ant is to be motivated uh, by yourself uh, because it's the right thing to do and you need to. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. That's an interesting way to word things. But it's the idea of diligent people, somebody that applies themselves to work. It could be working in a factory. It could be working on a computer. But whatever that is, it could be construction. Uh, it w- really, it's whatever task. It could be operating your own business. But the idea is somebody that is a sluggard will tend to uh, not have what they need to have. They'll be saying, I wish I had X, Y, and Z. All the while, the truth it remains that there is somebody that is being diligent, that's showing up on time, that has a work ethic, and they have their needs met. And the, the slugger will be like, I don't understand. I don't understand why I don't have. And it's, it's just part of God's wisdom to embrace a strong work ethic. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse number 4, gives us this reasoning. Why don't uh, sluggards, we don't use that word very much, Why don't lazy people work? What do you all think? Because they're lazy. Because they're lazy. This is a great group. You guys are awesome. Uh, Their upbringing, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I heard it back here. What's that? Okay. Entitlement. Maybe they deserve. Look at this. Uh, This is straight from Proverbs. The Bible says the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. That's Proverbs 20, verse 4. And the, the idea here is that back then, all of this is uh, very much agricultural, you know, farming terms. Um, I don't, do we have any farmers in here tonight? Okay, family, some family. Uh, growing tomatoes. That's great, Gary. Gary will not... He is, he is plant, he's diligent to plant his tomatoes. Um, but the idea is that it, back then you had to get up and work when it was time to work. And when you're a farmer, there's a certain time period that if you don't work in that time period, you are not going to have a harvest later, right? And when the, yeah. How about raised on a farm? Ah, that's good too. I was not raised on a farm. So, uh, I'm speaking from uh, Bible authority, not personal experience on this one. But um, the Bible says that there are people that have an excuse when the time is right to work. They say, I can't work because of. I don't know what that excuse might be for you if you find this is applying to you. It could be, uh, I have too much pain. I have this problem. Uh, I can't find the right job. I don't know what it is. I I really don't know what it is. I I don't pretend to to guess excuses that people make for not working. But the Bible is clear when it comes to wisdom. There'll come a time when you wish you would have worked and you could have worked 
but you didn't. And the Bible says this person will beg and harvest and have nothing, okay? So um, embrace a strong work ethic. This is a character trait of those that are wise, those that are wise. Uh, let's go on to number three, number three. Um, okay, so I want you to turn to Proverbs again, chapter five. So in Proverbs chapter five and in chapter six and in chapter seven, this may be the clearest section in Proverbs, in my opinion. It's, uh, it, it does stay on topic as well. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Um, the next character trait that is here is that of resisting temptation and folly. Resisting temptation and folly. These three sections of Scripture, um, every young man, every old man, every young woman, every older woman would do well to read this like once a month at least. Um, I, I remember reading this as a teenager, and uh, I grew up in a time where they used to do these things. Uh, they would have like assemblies in school, and they would teach you about abstinence, okay? Do you remember that stuff? Um, and in my school, it's a public school. Definitely was not a biblical reason. Like, it was like just a thing. Like, it's, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was a thing. I don't even know what they were trying to tell me, but I went to youth group, and I remember like... I just remember reading these passages, and um, I say it now, and it's going to tie into our lesson. I, it really did put the fear of God in me. I really did feel like, oh my word, uh, God is not messing around with this topic of, of Scripture. And um, in, in Proverbs, when it talks about having character, one of those traits is resisting temptation and fleeing folly. Foolishness. And I want, I want to read in Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. I, 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 can't, I can't read the whole, the whole chapter. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole three chapters, but I'm going to read most of Proverbs 5. It says, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion. Discretion in Proverbs, uh, that word, I, I always, I, I wrote this in my Bible a long time ago. Um, it's the ability to choose. Uh, God sets paths before you and, um, in, in the scripture, and he says, here's one way you could go, which is the way I'm prescribing you go, and here's another way. And you have this ability to choose. Wisdom helps you live skillfully. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he, he had that, he chose well. Um, the Bible says that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. So it's like, hey, listen, temptation, it's good. Tastes good like honey, that's what it's saying. Tastes good. But her end is bitter as wormwood. I don't even know what wormwood is, but I don't want any, okay? Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Anybody want to go that way? Nope. Lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life. It says, think about this. It says, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. The idea here is that um, you think you understand where temptation is and how to get a handle on it, but temptation 
it's, it's representing temptation by uh, somebody you're not married to. Uh, you know, this strange woman is the way it's described. But the idea is that it changes. You think, okay, uh, the temptation is all gone because I've set up my phone in this way or because I don't go in these type of places. But you know what? It's movable. Her ways are movable. They change. They're, they're shifting. You can't know them, meaning like it's always there. Uh, hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth. That sounds terrible. And thy labors be in the house of a stranger. Man, oh, to, to work and to have all that you've worked for go to someone else, right? And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And so when we come to character, this, this character trait of resisting temptation, the Bible says, learn to stay far away from temptation. Stay far away from it. Whatever temptation looks like for you, whatever that means for you, it's not saying try to handle it. The Bible never, ever advises you, if you're a wise person, to try and handle temptation. The, it's, it's only to go away, turn, turn and flee, run, run the opposite direction and put up safeguards. It's, don't even, if you know uh, where she is or, or you know where temptation is, it's like don't go, you know, remove thy way far from her. Don't even come by her house. So you know where she is, you know where her house is. Like, so we don't like go down that street. You know, this could be literal, uh, but this is really just representative. If you know that there's temptation uh, on some specific app on your phone, well, then character in this, this would tell you, uh, okay, so I know it's in, on the street. I see her house right here, this little app. Don't go near her house. You got to figure out a way to go far from that, to, to remove yourself away from temptation because what's going to happen is it's going to seem like honey. It's going to seem like it's good, but what's going to happen is all of your wealth is going to be given to somebody else. Your honor is going to be now somebody else's. Uh, you're, you're giving up the stuff that you worked so hard. Uh, he was tempted. Now, the, in that situation, temptation came to him. He wasn't like going near her house. I suppose he lived in her house, but... Uh, you know, I don't think he necessarily knew that was going to happen that day. But what did he do? He like got out of there. And that's like one of the best examples. He left his coat and he got out of there. But that's what the Bible's talking about. When it comes to wisdom, you say, I want to have this little cute smiley face life. And this is really representative of the blessed life, the happy life. You've got to get some character and stay away from those things that you're tempted with. Uh, this, is, this is something, um, many times we all learn the hard way. We, we learn the hard way. Uh, there's only so many times you can get burned uh, and scarred until you say, I don't want to get burned anymore. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. What do I have to do? And one thing we all believe uh, is that we're an exception to the rule. This is like a human problem is that we say, you know what? Everybody else, they can't handle it, but I can handle it. I, I'll be okay. Um, that would be um, 
this would be foolish and simple as described in Proverbs. So learn to stay away from temptation. Here's the second part of that, resisting temptation and folly. In the same passage, find fulfillment at home with your spouse. Find fulfillment at home with your spouse. Um, uh, This is definitely directed towards those that are married, um, obviously. Uh, Verse number 15 says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of water in the streets, and let them be only thine and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoiced with the wife of thy youth. And you can read the rest because it gets good, guys, okay? Uh, You read the rest of the verses, you're like, is he saying this? Yes, I'm saying this. This passage of Scripture basically is telling you there's, there's a time where you may think that the grass is greener on the other side. The grass ain't greener on the other side, okay? It may seem that way, just like honey is sweet to the taste, but its end is bitter as wormwood, okay? Um, I heard one, one person say, uh, and I, Calvin, when I preach, I hate regurgitating like uh, cliche preacher statements. I hate that, but some of them are really good. And they talk about how you look on the other side uh, and the grass looks greener. It's because it's astroturf. It's not real, right? It's not real grass. Uh, There's nothing growing there. And uh, it's a lie anyway. But the Bible is so clear. It's like, enjoy your wife. Wives, enjoy your husband. This This is where the joy comes. This is where the wisdom, this is where the blessings come from. It says in verse number 20, Why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Embrace the bosom of a stranger. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. God is watching you at all times. That's the fear of the Lord you should have. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray." All I can tell you is this is, uh, this is something we need, to, uh, we need to ask God for help with, resisting temptation and folly. All right, I got two more, and then I got my happy verse for the night, okay? Two more, and my happy verse. Uh, this, uh, this is right in line with missions. I love this topic, and so I really wanted to bring this out. I was going to do the whole lesson on this, but I was like, y'all have heard a lot about finances lately. And uh, I'm going to lighten the load a little bit. So here we go. Uh, Next character trait is this. If you want to be wise, uh, the wise person is practicing wise financial management. Financial management is your thing. Listen to this. In Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, here's your first point on this. God first. God first. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Proverbs 3, 9. And with the first fruits of, can you all read that word? All, all thine in increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. All right. I don't know if anybody has wine presses. This is illustrative here. Let me explain. The Bible says you honor the Lord with your substance. There is a way that you can tell God, God you have priority in my life. One way might be turning off your cell phone in my lesson. I'm just, I'm just teasing you. I, I was hoping it was you. Don't call Fred. No. Don't call Fred what? 
Let's continue. <laughs> uh, there's a way you can honor God. There's a way in your life you can tell God, God, I, I believe you're first. I want to put you in the place of honor in my life. And the Bible says you do that with your stuff, your substance, your money. It says, with the first fruits of all thine increase. Uh, this is a principle in the Old Testament. They were agricultural, as this is, and they, they would offer. You, you give what, off the top of what comes first, what comes in. And the Bible says, first fruits of all thine increase. This is, this is huge. Um, so you basically will take a look at your income, and you say, God, I want to honor you with my substance. So you say, first fruits, what does that mean? Well, that means when you start writing out your bills or you start paying bills, I was going to say writing checks, but I don't think anybody does that. Somebody might do that. Oh, okay. When you start writing checks or paying your bills online, uh, let me just reach the rest of the whole audience here. Um, that means that you don't pay everything and then you tell God, I'm going to give you this, what's left over at the end. First fruits means God I believe you're most important. I believe you provided for me. I trust you. And out of what comes in at the very beginning, by faith, I'm, I'm going to trust you to provide. I'm going to give to you first. Um, God first. And this promise here is your barns will be filled with plenty. Um, you could, uh, present day barns are like bank accounts, okay? Present day barns could be your cupboards. Present day barns. You, I'm just saying that God blesses you putting him first in your finances. It's, it's part of the wise life. You say, I don't know if I can do that. I, I th you can do that. And God wants you to, and the Bible says this is part of being wise. And uh, you, you can't afford not to do it. That's, that's a good way to put it. God first. Uh, look in Proverbs 21.20. So when you talk about wise financial manage management, it's always God first. Uh, secondly, the Bible speaks very clearly in Proverbs about saving, saving your money. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. There are, um, there are some people that if you said, hey, your car broke down, um, they would be like, okay, well, let's fix it. We have, we have money saved for that. Um, there are some people where you say, hey, your car broke down, and they say, we need to call a prayer meeting. We, 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 have, we have major, major problems. And I'm not, I don't want to belittle anybody that's in that position because I've been in that position before. But the Bible puts a huge emphasis in, in Proverbs about planning ahead about preparing. And in the dwelling of the wise, there is treasure. Uh, this would indicate that the wise person is thoughtfully spending. They're, they're not just buying what they're told to buy or, or what they think they you know, want or whatever. It says a foolish person spends up everything. So there's something to be said about living within your means and setting aside money for savings. For savings. And then here's the third thing. So we have putting God first. We give to Him at, at the top. We definitely should be saving. That's a that's a part of this. Uh, but then we should be giving, giving to help others. Proverbs 11, verse number 24 says, There is 
that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. God has this principle. It's in the New Testament. Give, and it shall be given unto you. You know, it's just something we just need to learn to open our hands up and give, and give to others that have needs. This is talking about there's this person that scatters. The idea is as they are freely blessing others out of what they've saved or what they have, and somehow they continue to increase. They, they still have enough. But there's others that say, ah, I'm going to withhold. I, I, I'm going I'm to keep it for myself. I'm going to spend it on the things that I want. I don't have, an, I don't have it to give. I, I, I don't give because i got to watch out for myself. This says, the Bible says it tends to poverty or it leads to poverty. This is God's wisdom. And it's, it's just, I, I wish I could change the rules, but these are the rules. This is the way the world is set up. This is the way God works. As he says, if you are willing to open up your hand and you're willing to give and you're willing to help, and the Bible says those that water, they'll be watered also. God, God will somehow return that back to you. And um, it's, it's just, uh, exactly, yeah, it's exactly, um, there's a lot of things in here that you can find in the New Testament. So practicing wise financial management. And uh, lastly tonight, throughout the book of Proverbs, uh, there's, I could tell you many verses in, in this, but the Bible is so clear about how you treat others. How you treat others. Your your blank is treating others with love and respect. Treating others with love and respect. Um, I think it is like secret sauce. I think so much of Proverbs is like, that's great. That's really, you know, that's the stuff right there. You know, you want to be a leader, you want to be a good uh, teacher, you want to be a good dad, a good mom. Uh, Read the Proverbs and follow them. It's God's wisdom. So we talked about those that are um, maybe foolish or maybe somebody is uh, poor because they just fell on hard times. The Bible is so clear about how we should deal with people that have fallen on hard times or people that he would describe as poor. In Proverbs 14, verse 31, the Bible says, He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. God never thinks well of anybody that takes advantage of somebody else because of their ability or their status. Um, it's often like James, you know, when you have somebody come in your church and they come in, they, they look really good, they have the gold rings and they, you know, they, they just look like they're dressed nice. Well, hey, come over here, buddy. Let me, let me like, give you a good seat. Uh, but when somebody comes in and they look pretty bad, you ignore them, kind of. Hey, go, go sit over there. Don't, don't make too much noise here, you know. Um, God pays attention to those things. He pays attention to how we treat others. The Bible says if we're oppressing or we're, 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 we're causing the poor to um, not succeed or we're making it more difficult for them, that's a reproach on their maker. But he that honoreth him, uh, but, but he honoreth him that hath mercy on the poor. The idea is that God will 
bless you. He'll lift you up if you can help others and you'll lift others up. I, I, that's why, I mean, we love to do the things like the homeless bags. We, we, um, how, how, how do you treat somebody that has nothing to offer you at all? You know, that's really the question. Uh, Proverbs 19, verse number 17. There's one more. He that hath mercy on the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and his good deeds shall he pay him again. Uh, when you help somebody that can't do anything in return for you and you help them, the Bible says you're lending unto the Lord. In Proverbs, it says that. It's the, the whole idea uh, when Jesus talked to them uh, that, you know, you, when I was naked, you clothed me. He talked about you fed me. You did all these things to me. Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And God is in the Old Testament and the New Testament is so clear that when we care for people that maybe can't care for themselves or care for somebody that nobody else wants to care for, that's like something we're doing straight to God himself. And he says, uh, you're, you're giving to them. I, I'm going to pay that good deed back to you again. We'll wait. We'll wait, Tammy. Hi, Fred. Hi, Fred. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let me get to my last point, and then we'll wrap this up. You're fine. Under treating others with love and respect, um, the Bible is clear. And I, I just think this is such a cool par uh, parallel from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In Proverbs 25, verse 21, uh, next week we're having a cell phone class. And uh, um, if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. That sounds countercultural. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. All, all the way in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, God is so clear about how we treat others. Uh, the poor and our enemies. Ah. So tomorrow, when you see somebody in the office or you see somebody that's your neighbor that is super rude to you, the Bible is saying here, help them. If they're hungry, give them bread to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Uh, you're, you're, you're noticing. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're noticing because you care about them, right? You care about them. Now, I, I want to wrap this up because there's a lot of qualities here. Um, we've got mastering your speech. That's difficult. Embracing a strong work ethic. That can be hard. Resisting temptation and sin. Practicing wise financial management. Treating others with love and respect. My question is, how in the world can we be wise and do this? How is that even possible? Like, you're telling me that you could, you could be, have soft answers and you can actually have money in your savings and you can, like, treat others you don't like with kindness and respect. You, know, you don't have to argue and fight and take vengeance on them. That's also in Proverbs. How would you do this? In, in John 14, 
This is where it all comes into play. In John 14, we get this picture of uh, Jesus where he is leaving. And he talks about when he leaves, he's going to send here the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him the Comforter. Uh, You can read in in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So how am I even supposed to remember when I'm going to make a decision to spend that maybe I shouldn't spend it up like a fool? How am I even going to remember when somebody is angry at me and yelling at me to speak softly? How will I even remember that? That is not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to walk in the Spirit. You say, that needs another lesson, Pastor Chris. We need another one here. It's, it's simply you surrendering what you're going to do. I believe it means confessing all known sin and saying in the morning... Lord, I need you to fill me. I need you to control me step by step, moment by moment. And the Bible says, if God can give good gifts unto his children like we want to, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we'll have the things we asked. God wants us to walk in the Spirit. And and I believe that when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, he will fill us and he'll control us and he'll do what he said he'll do. He will... Teach us all things. You say, I don't, I don't think I can quite learn to manage my money. Yes, you, you can learn to manage your money. God's going to help you do it. You just have to, have to lean into him. You have to let him do that. You can't keep being prideful and act like you know it all and your mom and dad taught you right. You know, that's not going to work anymore. You have to be willing to say, I may not know it all. I, I am no longer the authority, but God is the authority. And so the Holy Spirit works in you and here's, here's what's so cool about this list, and hopefully this ties it all together for you with a nice little bow. I want you to look in your Bible in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In the Old Testament, these character traits seem a lot like law. They seem a lot like um, manage your money well, or you're going to be poor and broke. And if you're a sluggard, you are, you are really... You know, you're the worst of the worst. When we get to the New Testament, God loved the whole world. Gave his, gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We get saved because God cares for us sluggards and our poor financial managers and as people that respond in anger and we stir up anger, all this stuff, and he begins to change us and teach us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and we're to walk in the Spirit. And the interesting thing about walking in the Spirit, the Bible says you produce, God produces in you. Let's, let's change the words. God produces in you the fruit of the Spirit. I want to read these to you and tell me if they don't sound a lot like what's being described as the happy life in Proverbs. The fruit of the Spirit, these quality traits that come out of you because God's working in you, because God's teaching you His Word, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Wow. To love my enemy, to love that person that's yelling in my face enough to speak softly. 
joy. To have inner, this, this inner happiness, this inner uh, confidence that everything is all right. This peace. You know, there's a peace that comes from managing your money wisely. From having some money in the bank. So that's not spiritual. That, that may be, that's an extremely spiritual thing is how you handle your money and, and what you do with it. And for God to allow you to change your habits, for God to change your priorities by changing your heart so that one day when your car breaks down, you have money in the bank, that is peace. That's like literal peace. That's like, oh, okay. And then when, when your car breaks down and you have money in the bank and, and you can fix it without stressing and, and worrying, and then somebody else you hear about has a need in your life group or otherwise, and you can help them, that's amazing. That would be our goodness that we're getting to. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's that. I can, I can bear with this person that's yelling. I can be patient with them. Gentleness. Man, um, this is something uh, God is teaching me even now, this gentleness. Um, I grew up in a home. It was not gentle. Uh, I never learned gentleness. I didn't even know what it looked like. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't understand Every conversation growing up, I remember, amongst family was harsh and hard. We need to come to a point where we can confess to God, God, I learned this all wrong, and I, I, need, your, I need your gentleness. It, wouldn't it be great to have a whole bunch of gentle men in the church, not harsh men in the church? And I, I would like to, you know, that God would grow that in me. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Here's one at the end, temperance. That means self-control. God can help you to set up safeguards against sin in your life. God can give you self-control to overcome any sort of uh, addiction or problem or habit or whatever because that's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's, that's, he does that. It's not about you trying really hard to build character. You know, that's not the biblical way to assign it. You got to build character in your life. That's, no, no. You've got to surrender to God and His ways and let Him build character in your life, just one step at a time. It might take you the whole year, this year, uh, just to simply get the first one, uh, responding calmly, you know, mastering your speech. It, may, it might take you just a whole year for one because it's a step-by-step thing. It's one, you read one verse, God transforms your mind, and He's going to build that in you, and you're going to learn that. He's going to work that out in you. Uh, here's my happy verse. goes right along with our last point. Uh, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Uh, this is one that I have repeated to myself. It's helped me make decisions. Uh, Dominic, it even goes to your question of uh, sometimes it's hard to know who you should help or not. Do they really need help? You know, Here, Here's something that's helped me. The Bible says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. And the verse is simply saying, if, if you realize somebody has a need, and if you can help, and you can meet that need, do it. Do it. And that's like just a great rule of thumb 
Uh, if you have the power to do it, you don't have to question, God, do you, do you, want, do you want me to do this? You know, um, he, he's, he's given wisdom here. If it's in your power to do it, it says withhold not good. Don't, don't hold back on something where God can use you to be a blessing. We already know that when you lend to that person, you lend to the Lord and he's going to pay you back again. So don't ever worry about that. That has been helpful to me uh, here at the church and otherwise.